Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Yes, today's buzz, sports. Whether you play them or you just watch, you may be seeing the impact of an exciting new player, and I put that player in quotes, on the court, on the field, on the track, in the pool, on the TV. The player's name is Technology with a capital T. What's so special? I'll tell you. It's enabling amazing sports and performance analytics innovations that are dramatically changing how players play, how coaches coach, how equipment runs, how teams collaborate, how the media reports, how the fans experience sports. And guess what? Its future is very, very bright. I have an amazing panel of experts today joining me here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Listen and learn. This is just an extraordinary experience, even for me after 140 shows. Let me tell you who's on the show. We're going to first be joined by Michael Glideman, the CIO of the NBA, that's right, the National Basketball Association, and I asked him for a quote on the topic, and he quotes Steely Dan. All of you Steely Dan fans, remember the Royal Scam album back in 1976? Most of you probably weren't even born then. The song is Don't Take Me Alive, and the quote is, a man of my mind can do anything. We'll be hearing from Michael in just about two minutes. Joining us also is Marcus Bauer from Sailing Team Germany. Award-winning sailor, competitor, entrepreneur, startup guy. Got to hear him. His quote is from Andrew McAfee from TEDx in Boston, June 2012. And the quote is, we ain't seen nothing yet. I think that's a cap off of the whole show here. That's our theme today. Also joining us is Jen Cohen-Crompton. She's an independent blogger at Something Creative. And she's quoting Mark Gannis from Sports Corp. This is a long one. Stay with me here. If the stadium simply becomes a stage, the game will have lost a vital element. I believe this is the next great issue. How to make games important to people when they can sit in their living room. We'll be hearing from Jen in just a moment. And rounding out our panel is Steve Peck from SAP. Great quote from Louis Grizzard. The late writer and humorist, I had to look this one up, Steve, and the quote is, Life is like a dog sled race. If you ain't the lead dog, the scenery never changes. Obvious, but very well put. So don't even think of going anywhere for the next hour. Join us for Sports Goes High Tech Score. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. It is live. We're live. It's Wednesday, October 9th, 2013. We're here on the Business Channel on Voice America World Talk Radio. Thrilled to be here. Please join us on our tweet stream at hashtag SAP Radio. Love to hear from you during the show. Now let me introduce my guests. These bios are so long, I think it's going to take the hour, but what the heck. First joining us is Michael Glideman, Senior VP and Chief Information Officer for the NBA. He directs all technology initiatives relating to the collection, cataloging, storage, archiving, and retrieval of NBA assets. I'll just read a little bit more. Through a partnership with SAP, Michael was instrumental in unveiling W www.nba.com forward slash stats, providing unprecedented access to the league's entire official statistics history all the way back to the inaugural 1946-47 season. He also provides to his team technical infrastructure and on-the-ground support for over 50 major events a year, including the NBA All-Stars, the playoffs, the finals, and the global games. 
And Steve, you're a graduate of Brandeis University. I'll tell you later why that's important. Not Michael, Michael Gleibman, welcome. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good morning. My pleasure. Good morning. My daughter is a graduate of Brandeis, and when I saw that in your bio, I got very excited. So thank you for joining <laughs> us. We're delighted. Sorry for the Steve. We'll strike that. Uh, Marcus Bauer, trained architect, entrepreneur, and a professional, professional sailor who competed in two Olympic games in the Fast and Furious Olympic 49er class. He has won medals at the European and World Championships and led the world ranking for more than two years. After he ended his sailing career in 2008, he started three ventures, one of which is Sailing Team Germany. He has led the sailing Team's technology program in collaboration with SAP since 2010. Welcome, Marcus Bauer. How are you today? Very good. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. You're calling us all the way from Germany. We'll find out later what the weather is when we get back to you in a moment. Jen Cohen-Crompton, CEO of Something Creative, a Philadelphia-based content marketing agency. Jen blogs on tech-related topics such as big data, cloud analytics, and mobility. She's working on a future-looking blog series now about the convergence of sports and analytics, disruptive technologies, the collaborative economy, and consumer empowerment. She's also an adjunct communications professor at Philadelphia University. Welcome, Jen. How are you today? Thank you. Fine, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. And rounding out our panel is SAP's own Steve Peck. Thank you, Steve, for introducing us to Michael. We appreciate this very much. Steve is SAP Senior VP of Global Strategic Initiatives, reporting to the President of Global Customer Operations. Steve also leads the SAP's sports and entertainment industry globally. He was previously the CEO of Axon Americas, a publicly listed SAP-only consultancy, and he drove 48% year-over-year growth before a successful all-cash acquisition in 2008. Also active in charities, including the Fisher House Foundation, Ells for Autism. I think they've been on the show with us, Steve, and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Steve Peck, welcome. How are you today? Bonnie, doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I can tell you're awesome from your voice. Now, let's go back to the quotes, amazing quotes you all sent me. Let's find out what these have to do specifically to our topic today, sports goes high-tech score. So let's start with Michael Gleidman from the NBA. A man in my mind could do anything, quoting Steely Dan. Talk to me, Michael Gleidman. How does this relate to sports going high-tech, please? Um, well, you know, I, I happen to also be a musician, so I, I thought it would be fun to to pick a musical quote, and I also know that it, Steely Dan is a, is a favorite of Steve Peck, so I thought that would be fun. But as far as what I do every day, the reason why it's applicable is because, um, you know, it really, it really fits with what we do here. If you put your mind to anything at the NBA, you can get it done, and that's what it's all about. And I, saw, I thought when I saw the quote, it really summed up my, um, my professional life here at uh, what I do. Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's so true. You put your mind to it, and there's no barrier here that will prevent you from getting the, the biggest things done. Michael, I would also venture to guess that it's not just you, but it's your team's mindset that when you say a man of my mind could do anything, you're talking about the people you hire, the people you train, the people who help you with the sports infrastructure, the people who join you in your visionary approach to marrying technology with sports. Am I right about that? You're right, and that's that's what I do is I really teach them. You know, they come from all different walks of life and different industries, and it's an important part of their initiation into the NBA that I teach them that, um, you know, you should leave behind all of the preconceived notions you had from other companies because at this place, if you put your mind to it, you can get it done. 
I think you have a very exciting job. No question about it. <laughs> we have so much do. more. You do. And by the way, where are you calling from today, Michael Gleidman? I'm calling from Secaucus, New Jersey. So you and I are both sharing. I'm on Long Island. We're both sharing kind of a gray but not too bad, slightly cool weather system today, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. 50 degrees. Not too bad. We'll take it. We'll take it. Okay. Thank you, Michael. A lot more coming from you during the roundtable segment, so stay with us. Marcus Bauer, Sailing Team Germany, architect and engineer and sailor and my good and entrepreneur and sailor and everything. Marcus, long resume with you. You quote Andrew McAfee from TEDx in Boston in June 2012, and the quote is, we ain't seen nothing yet. How does that relate to our topic today of sports going high tech? Marcus Bauer. Well, I really loved the talk, uh, the TED talk by the guy, and it really resonated with me because we grow up thinking that linear growth is the rule. You know, we grow sort of in a linear fashion, and if we put effort to something, we get an output uh, in a sort of linear fashion. But then we experienced in the last year these dramatic changes, and, and when you understand, start to understand exponential growth, then uh, everything changes in a very different way once you get exponential growth. And I believe technology is an era where things are changing exponentially and they're accelerating all the time. And that begs the question, is that good change or is that bad change? And I like to mm-hmm. talk because he's a cultural optimist and, uh, and I, I, I believe there's a lot of good things to come. And I know that in the sport that I love and the sport that I grew up with, uh, technology is changing the sport for the better. And I believe that's true for a lot of areas. That's why I picked that, picked that quote. Thank you, Marcus. And I have a, a feeling, a deep feeling, that you could have also picked the quote Michael Gleiman shared with us from Steely Dan, a man of my mind can do anything because you have and you do and you will continue. So great. Thank you very much. Let's move to Jen Cohen-Crompton, our blogger at Something Creative. Jen, this is a long quote from Mark Annis from the Sports Corp. I know you found it on Forbes.com. I just wanted to dig a little deeper on the attribution. And the quote again is, if the stadium simply becomes a stage, the game will have lost a vital element. I believe this is the next great issue how to make games important to people when they can sit in their living room talk to me jen how does this relate to sports and technology yeah i think that this is a challenge that all teams are facing right now um we don't just want to sit and watch you know it used to be the the game used to be a little bit different you went to the ballpark you went to the stadium you were there with your family you had some hot dogs you had a couple of drinks you enjoyed it that was about it now we're really in the age of engagement so we want to multitask if we're not doing more than one thing at a time, we get bored. Um, so this is something that stadiums are really paying attention to, is what can we do to get people to come that can bring them closer to the game or that can make them feel closer to the players. So really about enhancing that fan experience, and the best way to do it is through technology. You know, it's through the device that we all have in our pocket that we're constantly fiddling with. Um, you know, just different ways that the game can be more engaging, um, you know, simple things from getting stats when you need them, when you need to have a debate with the person sitting next to you um, and you want to prove your point, quickly look up the information and, um, you know, you have everything that you need. You bet. Very, very good points. Thank you, Jen. I love the part about how we get bored so quickly. We have our devices with us. We want to be connected 24-7, second by second, millisecond by millisecond, play by play. We want to know everything, and we want it right now. That's on topic. Thank you, Jen. Let's squeeze Steve Peck from SAP in here before we go to break. Life is like a dog sled race. If you ain't the lead dog, the scenery never changes. Obvious but profound quote from Louis Grizzard. Steve Peck, talk to me for a minute. Relate this to sports and technology, please. 
Well, you know, it was a, it was a quote that I, uh, I heard really early in my career uh, several decades ago, and uh, it really speaks to leadership at all levels. You know, you can be a leader and blaze your own path at all levels of an organization, and it had an impact on me not, on not only what I wanted to do for my career, but also for, um, you know, how, how to lead, how to, how to make sure you assemble teams of people that are better than you at what they do and let them go blaze new trails. So that's, it's really about that. And, and in sport, it, it gets down to passion. You know, there's, it's such mm-hmm. a, a platform in sport to be passionate and be innovative at the athlete level, at the team level, and at the league level in any of these sports uh, that it really resonates to that too. And you're seeing it today with technology where we're blazing new trails uh, in, in what we see at the NBA uh, in extreme sailing. Uh, technology's playing a big part of it as, as we're taking sports that have existed for you know decades and centuries and, and really evolving them with technology. And the quote really holds true for that. Thank you very much, Steve. You've taken us right up to our break. I am so excited to have this panel. We have wonderful people on the show. We're doing SAP Game Changers Radio three days a week now, but uh, you're all just really excited to me because you are all involved in something that's so passionate. If you're not passionate about sports, you wouldn't be doing your jobs. That includes Jen, our blogger, Marcus, our sailing team German, our tech lead and founder, Michael Gleibman, our CIO of NBA, and Steve Peck from SAP. Wonderful panel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Guess what? We'll be right back. Don't even think Think for a second of touching that app, that dial, that mouse, however you're listening to us. Today, we are live, as always, Coffee Break with Game Changers. The topic you don't want to miss is sports goes high tech. Score! We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time for the coffee break part of Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm going to ask my four esteemed guests what they're drinking today or what they want to remember they wish they were drinking. So let's start off with Michael Glidman, CIO of the NBA. Michael, what's in your cup or once was the best coffee you have ever had? Coffee, tea, milk, water, juice, what's your preference? Hey, Bonnie, so you, as you probably know, we are playing games right now all over the world, our global mm-hmm. games are taking place. So in honor of that, I am having a cup of sweet and thick hot chocolate like they do in Bilbao, Spain, where the 76ers just finished up playing um, on Sunday. 
So we have uh, we have eight teams uh, playing from our from the NBA league um, in eight countries all over the world, and they're having a great time. And they're probably some of them are probably having that same cup of hot chocolate as I am right now. I love it, but you have to tell me more. What kind of milk are you drinking? Milk and water combo. What kind of chocolate does it have? Sugar in it? Come on, give me a little more because I'm going to make it. Really, the, the the tradition is to drink a really rich, rich mm. cup of hot chocolate over there, and it's 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 so thick that you could put a churro in it and have it stand up on its end. Um, and it. many people say once you once you try this version, um, this Spanish version of hot chocolate, you will never go back to regular old uh, boring hot chocolate. I think I'm in love. I'm a chocoholic, so you're talking to the right person. Thank you, Michael. We got it. Oh, hey, we know it. We know it. Very good. Marcus Bauer, all the way from Germany. Where in Germany are you today calling into us, Marcus? And then tell me what's in your cup. I'm in Kiel, which is like one hour north of Hamburg, uh, right at the Baltic Sea, and I can look out my window and I see some boats sailing out there, even though it's almost getting dark. So I'm probably the most close to a glass of red wine out of all of us, but I'm not all having right. one right now yet. I'm, having, <laughs> I'm actually having a coffee. It's 5.20 here in, in the evening or in the afternoon, and I want to be all alert for the show. So I'm having a coffee, and uh, I've been becoming a great coffee fan in the past years. So, and what kind that, of coffee? You want to give us a little choice. little insight here, a little more insight into Marcus's well, person? What home, kind of coffee? Uh, yeah. We just purchased one of those Italian hardcore coffee machines, like the ones mm. where, you know, that, that the coffee shops have, uh, a small one that looks like a like an old sort of uh, self-made machine almost. They've become really fashionable over here, and they mm-hmm. make, you know, really good coffee. But in the office we have a Swiss Jura uh, it's called uh, Euro Machine, which which makes it's like a full automat. It makes good coffee, nothing like at home, but it's pretty good. Okay, I'm glad. Thank you for the details, Jen Cohen Crompton, blogger, something creative. What's in your cup today, Jen? All right. Well, as I said, we like to multitask, so I live the multitasking, and I have two beverages. So my first one is um, my morning protein smoothie. So it's vanilla protein with peanut butter strawberries, half a banana, a little bit of fat-free milk and ice, and blend it up, um, and it holds you over for the day. It fills you up. It's nice and sweet, but it almost tastes like a peanut butter cup, which is my favorite candy, but without all the guilt. So that is my my smoothie. (laughs) And then my second drink is um, my green tea. So that's where I get my caffeine in. I have my green tea. I have it in my Aruba mug um, because I am also in some gray weather today. So the mug is a, a gentle reminder of the nicer weather that's out there. Thank you for the great picture words. I appreciate it. I make a banana smoothie every morning with banana and skim milk, a little bit of sugar and a little cocoa. So you know where I'm coming from. By the way, they do not let me have caffeine on radio show days. What can I tell you, Jen? Surprise! Steve Peck, SAP, our dog sled race guy. So, Steve, what are you drinking today? Well, I got to tell you, if I was with Marcus and it was after 5 o'clock, I'd have a very nice single malt scotch that's at least half my age. <laughs> so, uh, I love since it. Since I'm in Manhattan between uh, you and Michael on an equally great day, I, I, uh, I like Jen, have, I'm going two-fister this morning. So I've got a, uh, a Perrier, nothing really exciting, but uh, clean and sparkly in an Andy Warhol label, I might add. So that's Whoa. Quite and then uh, for my coffee, I have a venti soy latte, uh, no foam. 
Oh, very nice. (laughs) You know, this little icebreaker segment of the show gets to be more and more fun. I wish we could do half the show about coffee, but here we are, and it's time to buckle down and get serious. So I'm going to start off the roundtable, if I may, with Michael Gleibman from the NBA. Michael, let's talk about uh, some information you sent me before the show. You said about the NBA, our game has never been better, and technology has been instrumental in our growth. So let's deep dive into our topic, sports and technology. What If you could distill it down to, to to a really high level comment what part of technology has been instrumental to what part of your growth is it the players the game the court the 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 fan experience where is technology really making that difference for you in the nba well, it's uh, it's it's interesting because you know i've been here for i've been here for a long time in uh, in cio years um, and i've seen the technology in just this time change so much so we're at a point where it's almost like the the sky is the limit. If you can imagine it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so you, you end up spending, um, obviously, when you have to build and, and deploy and do all those things, you have to deal with, with the rigors of that. But you can spend so much more time thinking about what would be the right thing to deliver to our customers, in our case, our fans, and how and where do we want to get it to them. So we spend a lot of time just um, brainstorming about, um, how we can get more and more content in more interesting ways to them on mobile devices, on social media, on websites, and things like that. So I don't know if you've uh, if you've seen our uh, NBA.com stats portal that we recently rolled out um, at All Star last year, which has been a very big success. I mean, I think years ago, some, doing something like this would have been nearly impossible, and in um, a short number of months, we were able to build this really groundbreaking website where a fan can come in, look at the entire history of the NBA, mm-hmm. look at four and a half quadrillion permutations of cuts of data, filter mm-hmm. and sort any way they want, and do it and get the response back in under a second. Amazing, so, and that's what people want. I, I think it was Jen, Jen mentioned that everybody gets really bored if they don't have something going on all the time, and I imagine sports fans of high-powered, high-speed sports like yours, Michael, are, are more like that than maybe other sports. Uh, Marcus, no no, uh, no reflection on sailing, but it is a more leisurely sport, I guess, even though you're in, we're going to talk to you in a second. But, Michael, I have one more question. How sure. do your players respond to this innovation in technology? Are there sensors on the uniforms? Do the balls have little sensors in them? Do the courts have all kinds of things embedded in the floor and in the baskets. What do the players say when you say, more technology, we're bringing in more analytics? Do they say, oh, Michael, please, do they say, wow, bring it on? What's their attitude? No, I, I think they love it. I, our, our players are, are very technical. They're very into gadgets. They're very into communicating, ah. very into social media. We have um, huge traffic on, on Twitter and Facebook. So these guys all love this stuff. Um, we just rolled out something to um, – we just did a deal where we were rolling out what we're calling player tracking um, to all of our 29 arenas where we're using video cameras for the moment to track the movements of players on the court, the ball, the officials, the you name it. Um, anybody involved in the game, we will be able to track their movement and collect X and Y data um, from where they go and how the, and how they get there. And that will all come into databases, and we'll be able to um, use technology to massage that data and quickly get it up and out to the fans so that they can do even more slicing and dicing. So it's a full circle. comes off the court, 
goes into the cloud, comes back to us, and then goes back out to the fans. Very exciting. I I have not been historically a big basketball fan, but you're turning me into one just because of the technology. And let's turn our sights to Marcus Bauer from Sailing Team Germany. I have a great comment from Marcus. I want you to join the roundtable with this. Please, Marcus, you said technology is a legal steroid. That's an increasingly integral part of the game. I, that should have been your opening quote. I love it. So how can technology be a legal steroid? Talk to us. Well, you, you have to understand sailing and where it comes from. You know, it used to be a sport that was largely invisible. You know, nobody could really follow it. Even the coaches, which were on the sidelines, had a limited view of the playing field. Uh, you, and you had to be really experienced to get an idea of what's going on on the playing field because you're looking from a bad angle. Um, but that has changed since 10, 15 years. We're using GPS trackers on boats, mm-hmm. and they basically plot the movement of, of the boats onto a map. And uh, we've got the advantage of not having a roof over our playing field like basketball has, so the GPS tracking is, is not, in, not an issue. We, we can track these boats, and, and then all of a sudden the whole game becomes visible. Uh, for the sailors, for, well, for the sailors, it's, it's visible anyway because they're right there on the playing field battling the other boats. And a sailor is really good at judging angles and where he's going and how fast he's going. But it becomes visible for, for the outside world. And actually, now you can follow sailing races online. And it, it is a totally different paradigm. It's when the sailors used to come on shore... They were telling fairy tales, whether they liked it or not. You know, uh-huh. it was just all out of their mind uh, and, and not based on facts. And now you've got the facts on the table. You come back from the race or even when you watch the race live, when the spectators are watching the race live, they know exactly They're- what's going on. So it's, it's a game changer uh, that, that cannot be more drastic because we've taken the sport from being largely invisible uh, to yes. be very, very transparent. And that is, only, that is only the start because you get a first understanding from the outside, but then you start to analyze it in, in multiple ways. And that's just steepening the learning curves of, of young sailors in a dramatic way. Very exciting. You know the old expression, Marcus, you can run, but you can't hide. Well, in this case, you can sail, but you can't hide. Your GPS track, people can see you. It's very technical, but it sounds like it's really amped up the game of competitive sailing. Very exciting. Thank you. Jen, let's get you in here. I want to talk to you about the comment you made about the fan experience. You say sports and technology have always been important and a key to the game, but now it's not just important, it's essential for every aspect from the fan experience all the way to coaching. So we talked a little bit about the impatient fans, and Michael Gleiman talked to us about the fan experience, and Marcus as well talked to us about the fact that sailing is no longer visible. How does that relate to coaching? What have you found in your research, Jen? Yeah, I mean, so from the fan experience, like you said, you know, it's about entertainment, engagement, and deals. That's what some of the fans want when they are there. at the game, you know, in the stadium, at the bar, ballpark, whatever it may be. So from the coaching side, um, it's about really learning how the players are playing and ways that they can tweak player performance to make them perform at their optimal levels. Um, so it's everything from looking at what the players are doing on the court, where they're shooting from, where they're more successful, um, and all the way, you know, looking at when we talk about tennis, looking at where the, where the players are when they're hitting the ball and what their percentage of success is when they hit from certain places. 
So it's really, you know, the players don't have to pay attention to the, to the information as much as the coaches do. They're the ones that are making decisions. They need the data in real time. So if they can get data on the sidelines, they can have their iPads, and they're looking at all the information as the game is going on, they know when they can make changes and what they have to tell the player. So it's, you know, it's about numbers. It's about data. It's also about the psychology behind it. So as a coach, I need to know what to tell my player. Um, I may know that if they're going to hit the ball from a certain spot on the court, that they might not necessarily get that match point of that set. But um, I'm not going to tell them that from, you know, from the data standpoint. What I am going to tell them is to maybe, you know, make a move, do something else, tweak the game a little bit, tweak their performance. Um, And then I can kind of see how they take that information uh, both physically and psychologically and how they apply it. Um, So coaches, I think, you know, as much as maybe some of the coaches aren't as interested in using the analytics, you know, it always brings me back to thinking about the movie Moneyball. Um, mm-hmm. where no one really believed Brad Pitt. <laughs> That's right. No one believed that he could build this team based on numbers, um, and everyone was kind of pushing back on it. But once they saw what those numbers meant and once they started to embrace it, it changed the game. So I'm not saying that you can pick your team, you know, based on just those numbers per se, um, but using a combination of data and predictive analytics, you can definitely see how players could perform um, and be able to make better decisions. Thank you, Jen. We're going to get into a discussion of predictive analytics when we come back from the break, but I can't go to break until I get Steve Peck in on this opening part of the roundtable. Steve, you said becoming truly global is the goal of the top sport leagues around the world. Is this Does this apply, for example, to the U.S. teams, or does Sailing Team Germany, do you think, really want to go global? What do you mean by becoming truly global? How? Well, that's where all the growth comes, right? So okay. uh, sports is not, like other, uh, not unlike other industries where global is what it's all about, and uh, several of the North American leagues, uh, and, and the NBA really led the way in this, uh, have become global. That's that's where the, the fan base becomes exponentially bigger than what it is. And, uh, you know, when you can engage the, uh, the existing fans and emerging fans in a very meaningful way uh, through the generations, there's great growth there. And if you just look at the numbers of you know, Premier League soccer, um, and, uh, you know, it's had billions of fans around the world. Uh, there's a great potential for growth for all sport. And, uh, and there's never been a revolution like there is with technology uh, to not only engage the fans uh, during the event, but uh, throughout the year and throughout the years uh, the way there is today. So there's a lot to be gained, and, uh, you know, the fans can engage better and enjoy it better, and the teams and leagues can grow and become more profitable, which is uh, what it's all about, too. Steve, can we say that sports is going local? We've used that when we talked about subsidiaries on a show about about a year ago. We talked about local and global. So could we say sports is going global where local teams can become globally known and viewed and enjoyed? Would that be appropriate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and different, and different sports are at different stages of it, but everybody's going that way. Good. When we come back, we're going to talk about the role of predictive analytics. Jen Cohen-Crompton tells me that some coaches and teams are resisting it. Why? Why not? We're going to find it when we come back. And by the way, our fan on Twitter here, Margot Heiligman from SAP, says she wishes she was having the chocolate described by Michael Gleiben, but she is enjoying her Nespresso, usual fresh pull. And Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP, my co-producer, says, I'm on the sidelines drinking Gatorade and breathing pure oxygen, recovering from the adrenaline. 
Adrenaline Rush on SAP Radio. Go Malcolm. I'm Bonnie DeGray, and you're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We have Michael Gleidman from the NBA, Marcus Bauer, Sailing Team Germany, Jen Cohen Crompton from Blogging at Creative, Something Creative, and Steve Peck from SAP. Don't even think of touching that dial. This is where the game is. You don't want to miss the next part. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag s-a-p-r-a-d-i-o now let's get back to coffee break with game changers here we are. Now you know the last segment of the show coming up after the next break is our predictions, our crystal ball segment. But we're talking about predictive in another context right now. We're talking about sports goes high, tech score. Let's talk about the role of predictive analytics in sports today. Let's kick off this section of the roundtable with Michael Gleidman, the CIO and visionary, I believe, of technology with the NBA. So, Michael... <laughs> Talk to me, predictive. What's the role? What are you doing now? What do you envision? Then we're going to ask everybody to jump in. So start, please. Yeah. So pre- predictive is is the future for us. Predictive is. I mean, we've been, we have been sort of in a in a more laborious way doing predictive for years. But with the technology that's available to us now, we're going to make predictive and better visualizations of our data uh, more and more present in all of the products we, we put out to our fans, whether they're video products or pure stats products, mobile products, et cetera. So, I mean, you're sitting in an arena, you're watching a game, and you want to know, you know, who should the coach put in next? You know, this is my fantasy team. Who should I be, um, you know, selecting to go – um, to go next on that team. I mean, predictive is really going to be a huge part of helping us make those, uh, you know, answering those questions for the fans. We don't want necessarily the fans to have to deal with all the, um, you know, the heavy lifting of predictive. We're going to push mm-hmm. that to the background, but we're going to provide products that um, bring predictive to the surface so that you can ask natural language questions like I just asked, and the, the, uh, the uh, product that we make available to you will answer those questions as if, you know, you have a, a, a pal sitting next to you who is really steeped in basketball. 
may I call a friend on the million dollar question. So the question, <laughs> Michael, is uh, what does this do in terms of accuracy? Is there a goal? Of, of course, you want 100% predictive accuracy, but that kind of takes the fun out of it. Yes, the next player will be, and he'll make three baskets, and this will be his average for this game. We want to know, but we also want the excitement of watching it in as real time as possible. So my question is, what would be the, the betting side of accuracy for predictive? What do you think? What's your point of view? I, I you know, I, I don't necessarily have a, a defined answer for you, but I think this is okay. like anything. It's it's an art. You know, there's like we were talking yes. earlier about, uh, you know, using stats and data to make uh, decisions to pick your teams and things like that. Um, and I'm not sure I'm a complete believer of that unless you really use all of this stuff in an artful way. There's a little bit of science, a lot of bit of art to it, and you've got to use these things judiciously. So could I predict what the accuracy of predictive will be? Um, you know, I, I know that Steve uh, Peck and I had some fun at the uh, All-Star Game last year using our data to see who might win the three-point shooting contest, and uh, we were right. We were right, <laughs> we were right on Steve, that one. Steve, we? Peck, so we, Steve Peck, one jump in one. here. We were one for one. We were one for really? one. Really? That was our predictive career, Michael. We were one for one. We retired yeah. at 1,000%. Well, you know, Bonnie, and, and just to, adding on to what Michael said, yes. there are a couple of ways to use it. You know, one is you kind of engage the fans. The other one, which was a very good point about in-game predictive, uh, you know, in-game analytics to make predictions, you know, that's going to be a policy issue. I mean, some sports are allowing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, analytics to be done in the game. In fact, our partnership with the Women's Tennis Association now where we're able to track shot p- patterns uh, in-game, the coaches are going to be able to, to, uh, to work uh, with the player to help them better compete. That's not the case in men's tennis. It's not the case in, in, um, in many sports today. So, when it's you not talk the case about a team by a better team, uh, you have to have the right policy for that. Uh, but in some of the sports where uh, you have uh, the mechanical athlete to an extent, if you will, so like in racing, McLaren has hundreds of telemetry points that yes. uh, feed data back eight times a second off the cars. And, you know, in game, they can decide how they tune the car to perform better and gain thousands of a second edge at a time. But they can take all that data run race simulations because uh, they get it off of every car for every race that they've done for the entire year and really not only uh, do race simulations but, but adjust strategy based on what the computer is saying. So that's a very advanced example of it. Um, but as you look at sensors in balls and sensors in, um, uh, in goals and, and pads and helmets for anything from player safety to player performance to uh, fan analytics, a lot of that's going to come down to policy, and, and in many ways the leagues are still dealing with that from just a policy perspective. Interesting. Thanks for bringing this up. Marcus Bauer, Sailing Team Germany, I heard you in the background. Talk to me. Yeah, I reckon that, that it has to be fun for the spectator, and if it would mm-hmm. be 100%, it wouldn't be fun anymore, but that, that's not going to work anyway. And for the competitors, it has to be useful. If it's not useful enough, it's not accurate enough to, to you know, create any benefit, they won't use it. Well, for us, both has worked. I mean, I, I did commentary on sailing races, and it's so much fun to look at the data, and, you know, sailing t- uh, takes place in an ever-changing environment, and you look at the conditions, uh, and you've got your weather forecast, you say this is going to be a windy day. And then you look at the data and you know this is a strong wind performer, so how is he going to do? And this is a light wind performer, how is he going to do? And you can look at them totally differently than we used to d- do. 
because if the light performer does really well on the day, that's a special achievement, and we can highlight that. That was impossible without those predictive an analytics, but we would say that one's probably going to win today. So that's really cool, and, and that's fun. And for the sailors as well, um, you know, in sailing, you can't do outside assistance. You can't shout at a boat and say, do this, do that. That's not allowed. They've got to get these, this information before the start. And we've built some really cool tools where they can predict the tides and know the advantages they have. And it's been tremendously useful at the Olympic Games, for example. Hi, Very interesting. Jen. Yeah, um, go ahead. Can I just jump in here? So I yeah, think there's sure. two things to say, too, and this kind of goes back to um, something that both Marcus said and Steve said. So the first part of that is I think that it's, a, it's definitely sport by sport. So every sport is going to be looking at it a little bit differently. Um, and, you know, that, that goes back to policy, which Steve mentioned. You know, how is it going to be implemented? How is it going to be used? Is there anything that's going to be restricted? Um, and the other part of that, which is something Marcus said in the beginning, is that, uh, you know, data and analytics can be your um, performance-enhancing drugs because you can really work on performance. You can improve players. You can get them to their top potential. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was at the Yankees game a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to some executives and just asking them, you know, how do you see technology changing the game, and do you think that analytics and predictions will negatively affect the sport? Um, and one of the things that came up, and this is because, you know, it's a big topic in the news right now, it's all about PEDs, you know, our uh, performance-enhancing drugs. So will uh, baseball players who are constantly being tracked and looking at analytics and looking at all those numbers, will they be driven to do things like use more uh, sports-enhancing drugs because um, they're being measured on many different levels? You know, I think there's there's a handful of players that may. There are players that still respect the spirit of the sport that would, you mm -hmm. know, wouldn't go to that extreme. Um, but you know, that's that is a consideration. That's very important. That, yeah, yep. the, this is Michael. I think the, mm -hmm. the coach plays a big role in all of this. I mean, it's you know, on one hand, the player may be looking at um, at at his or her stats and the analytics around those stats and the predictions around those stats, but the, the coach is the one who really has to um, bring it all together, right, and, so, and, and mm -hmm. make sense of which stats are important and which are not and which ones are just things that just support conclusions or hypotheses. So I, I have a feeling this guy could be better on defending, you know, three-point shots. Let me look at the data and see if combining video with stats is going to prove or disprove my hypothesis. And if, you know, it doesn't shake out the way he thought it was going to, then, you know, maybe it's not so important anymore. But if you, if you take that element out of it, you've, you've sort of lost sight of why these things, you know, all of this technology and all this data is so important. Exactly. And, and I want to go back to a point Jen just brought up. The first time we've, we've had this in our conversation, I want to bring Marcus in about the, the illegal substances, the enhancing drugs. And you made a very interesting comment to me, Marcus, just to round off this point. You said a sailing champion is a champion in solving complex challenges, a skill that no illegal substance can upgrade. Just comment on that as far as, as uh, sailing goes, please, Marcus. Well, I, I actually think that some sports are in a little bit of trouble. If, if the challenge is just too simple, I, I think they've, hmm. they've reached a point where it's just not that interesting anymore. Um, I mean, I love the 100-meter sprint, but there's a limit to the complexity of it, of course. And, and we're, we're living in an increasingly technological world. And 
to also solve technological challenges is becoming a sport or to use technology to solve complex challenges. And in sailing, you've got uh, you to work with this unpredictable, and, uh, to a certain degree, unpredictable environment and make the best choices in it. And I think these are probably interesting sports for the future because it's going to remain to be a human element to uh, to become a better decision maker, to make that the competition actually, or a large part of the competition, and, and we're very, very far away from from uh, making that um, uh, dopable, if you like. Um, so I, I like complex challenges in, in sports, and I think they will receive increasing popularity. Uh, having said that. The same holds true for team sports, I believe, because they're so complex. Mm-hmm. They're like chess. You know, the playing field is is endless in its in its combination. And um, so, team sports and sports which involve technology, especially in nature, I think that's future sports. Thank you very much. You took us right up to our final break. We're speaking with Michael Gleiben from the NBA, Marcus Bauer, Sailing Team Germany, Jen Cohen, Crompton Blogger at Something Creative, and Steve Peck from SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham having a great time today. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, episode number 106. Did I forget to say that? It's live. We're live October 9th. The show will be available on podcast on demand in about an hour from now. And when we come back, I'm going to ask my guests right now, I'm going to ask you to get out the silk scarf, the chamois, I think Michael Gleibman and Steve Peck know what that is, the the polishing cloth, the banky, the rag, whatever it is, and polish off that old crystal ball. I want you to look ahead five years from today. Michael, Marcus, Jen, and Steve, what do you see in terms of the role of technology in sports? Any sport, your favorite sport, all sports. We'll be right back with our prediction segment. Don't even think of touching that dial. I predict it's going to be fun. Brad, out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's, and it's time for our Crystal Ball segment predictions. I'm going to ask my four guests in the order in which we started. Michael from the NBA, Marcus Sailing Team Germany, Jen from Something Creative Blogging, and Steve Peck from SAP. Let's find out what you see in the Crystal Ball. Michael Gleidman, NBA, can you look ahead five years for me, or is it happening so fast in the NBA in terms of the marriage of sports and technology, Michael, that you can't go five years out? Talk to me. 
Yeah, that, that is, that's the way I was going to answer this question, which okay. was, I mean, five sounds good, but it's happening, you know, all, all around us all the time. And so it, it could be in two years. Um, it's, mm-hmm. for us, it's all about mobile, 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 mobile. How do we deliver more things to the device that you have with you all the time um, to make your life better, easier, faster as it pertains to NBA content and your ability to follow your teams and, and stay an avid and, and rabid fan of our sport? So that means, you know, how do we shove more data to your device, allow you to get it in ways that may have been clunky before, but now are beautiful and streamlined with lots of visualizations to make things very easy for you to see on that tiny little screen or your, or your mm-hmm. phablet or your tablet. Um, <laughs> at the same time, on the, on the very big side, you know, it's, it's all going to be about super high-quality video. So we're in the throes of um, upgrading our arena network that we have now that brings 150 megabits uh, worth of video uh, back to us in New Jersey to process to a 10 gig network, if you can believe it, out of every arena. I mean, Mm. it's just mind-blowing the amount of of high-quality video content that's going to be available to us back here to make better and better things for the fans. So I think between those two, I'm going to be incredibly busy, along with my team, um, thinking of new products and services that we can offer to our fans. And so I don't think it's going to be five years away. I think it's going to be now. Michael, quick question for you. We haven't talked about age or gender in terms of your fan base. I know you have NBA must have people of all ages who've been watching and looking and getting excited and staying excited about basketball probably their entire lives. How does the older fan, and is there any gender skew, if I dare ask, in terms of the appreciation for what you're doing with fan experience mobility? Do you find older fans are saying, nah, I don't have a smartphone, but give me this, give me that, any of that, or, or are you looking for the, are you trying to get the older fans to embrace that mobility. Talk to me quickly. Well, maybe not so much on the mobile side, but yes, we're, we're, we're developing products for everybody. But if you go to arenas like uh, Houston or Brooklyn um, or uh, Indy, you're going to see, you know, fabulous center on scoreboards with incredible uh, pixel ah. densities so that when you're sitting in a venue, you, you know, if you're not a smartphone person, you're going to have an v- incredibly rich visual experience um, from your seat. And again, with all that high quality video coming back to us when you're sitting at home, you're also going to have a very high quality viewing experience there. Thank you very much. You answered my question. Marcus Bauer, Sailing Team Germany. Predictions, please. Well, mobile and real time are probably also the two buzzwords that are going to change sailing dramatically in the coming five years. But mobile, not only as a delivery device, also as a data generating device. We're already putting mobile phones on boats because they give us so much data. You know, they have GPS mm. uh, chips in there, and they send the data from the boats, and they're going to receive sensor data. They generate video data. Um, they're going to get better and better in the coming years, and they're going to change uh, the game from in terms of viewing and analyzing it. And then it's real time, analyzing the game in real time. Um, you know, the, the increasing amount of data just to make sense of it and to visualize it in meaningful ways that's going to make the sport more and more accessible. And then um, the sport itself is changing. I mean, the boats are now delving into the third dimension. They're flying over water, and, mm-hmm. and that's really changing how the sport is perceived. You know, they always try to create the Formula One in sailing. 
it's there now. The boats are so fast that it's becoming radically dangerous, but they're going to deal with that Ooh. just like they dealt with that in the Formula One car racing. So we're going to see more dramatic sailing um, and more com comprehensible sailing. And, and for sailing, it's really exciting times at the moment. And uh, I'm looking forward to that also because it means in general for sports, it's going to get more diverse. Uh, in Germany, we have a monoculture. It's just football, football, football. But now smaller sports, mm -hmm. sports on the fringes are going to pop up and make their stand. I was going to ask you who your audience is quickly and who your audience is today and who you want them to be in the next five years. Marcus? Well, imagine that, you know, we've got a world championship uh, in the youth class. It's like little league. That's kids which are mm -hmm. no older than 15 years. It has 250 competitors from 58 nations. It's a truly global game. And so far, friends and family followed it. And mm -hmm. that's where you start from. You know, that's the yes. audience you start from. And that's the audience that, that we're trying to tackle also with SAP. It's a grassroots community growth. And it's already growing. You know, people look at it and they say, wow, I watched sailing the other day and it was really exciting. And I fin finally understand what it's about. But you start ah. grassroots. You want to have those small regattas visible. And there's, they, you know, that's different than the America's Cup. That's a huge firework. But we want to have all the regattas visible. Sounds like an epiphany waiting to happen. Thank you. Jen Cohen Crompton, Something Creative Blogger. Talk to me. Five years from today, what will you be writing about in your sports and technology blogs, Jen? Uh, I wish I could tell you. Um, <laughs> you know, the way that I look at it is, um, same as Michael had said, you know, it's kind of hard to say what's going to happen in five years. But, you know, within the next year, I, I see technology as being a natural extension of the fan experience. So I see fans walking into stadiums and ballparks and expecting um, expecting to be able to log on to complimentary Wi-Fi, um, and they're going to see videos and instant replays, so something that they didn't necessarily get to see when they're at the stadium, but people on television got to see it. They want to be able to see it. Um, I think that they're going to be, you know, using fantasy leagues and, um, you know, really looking for that, that technology as an extension and their mobile devices for the things I, I had mentioned before, entertainment, um, engagement, so getting involved in conversations and voicing opinions, and also looking at deals um, and looking at the way stadiums, you know, stadiums are going to have to respond to this, um, and they're going to be using the mobile devices and technology for things like precision retailing. So when, you know, someone gets up and hits a grand slam, maybe I get a deal uh, directly to my mobile device that says their jersey's on sale now, and I can go ah. grab it for a discount. So I think it's just going to be that natural extension. Fans are going to come to appreciate it and want it, and, you know, it has to be embraced. And, Thank and we're you, Jen. I will say, Michael, yes. we are working on that every day. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. And we just have enough time for Steve Peck. Talk to me. I'll give you 45 seconds. What's your overview five years from today, Steve? What will sports and technology be like from your SAP point of view? Well, it's about the fan, the fan, the fan, right? Uh, it's about engaging the fan in a meaningful way, as they just said. So whether it's in-venue experience uh, like never before from – the bathroom line is down. Go now and order two more beers while you're at it to, uh, <laughs> uh, to uh, I love it. that's that they want to consume on their second screen. Uh, yes. And more importantly, the opportunity is engaging them, uh, you know, day in and day out around the globe is where the big growth opportunity comes. So that's one. And then, quite frankly, I think the sports are going to all grapple with technology and sensors on the players, mm -hmm. in the ball, 
for uh, coaching and advancement in in a way that we've never seen before. So I think that that a lot of that's going to be perfected in because, again, the fans are going to want to consume it and the coaches are going to need it to have a competitive edge to field the best teams. And and my hope is that SAP's powered as much of that as possible around the world. So Why not? Why not? Thank you, Steve Peck. I have a prediction. I'm going to invite this fantastic panel to come back on Game Changers Radio, but that remains to be seen. I have my own predictions. Coffee Break with Game Changers next Wednesday. We're going to be talking about corporate responsibility. Nice to have or must have, part two. Tomorrow, guess what? We're starting a brand new show called Startup Focus with Game Changers, and I'm going to have startup entrepreneurs as my special guests. Tomorrow's topic is why this startup now. And next Tuesday, October 15th, HR Trends with Game Changers. We'll be talking about talent recruiting best practices. Special thank you to Michael Glidman, Marcus Bauer, Jen Cohen-Crompton, and Steve Peck. Wonderful panel. Love the energy, the passion. Hey, sports gets it done. Sports rocks. Thank you also to my co-producer, Malcolm Kimberlin. Thank you to Catherine James, Florian Wagner, Steve Peck. Thanks for introducing us to Michael Glidman. What a thrill. And thank you to Brad and the Business Channel team. And I have a call to action. Okay, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game Change you today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. See you tomorrow on Startup Focus with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.